go. A special hello goes out to Director Media for the Boston Bruins alumni, Mr. Mark Boyan. Nice to see you, Marky. Welcome to the Pro Hockey Alumni Podcast, the home of behind-the-scenes interviews, stories, and memories that celebrate the heritage of the great game of hockey. The Pro Hockey Alumni Podcast is hosted by Mark Willand. One of the flashiest wingers in the WHA, a top goal scorer playing in his first All-Star game from the Cincinnati Stingers, number 17, Dennis Sobchuk. This is episode 39 of the Pro Hockey Alumni Podcast. Dennis Super Sobby Sobchuk was one of the greatest junior hockey players of all time, who went on to stardom in the World Hockey Association. Sobby is still a hockey legend in Regina, Saskatchewan, where he starred with the Junior Pats in the early 1970s. He played 200 games from 1971 to 1974, registering 191 goals and 225 assists. On a team that included the likes of Clark Gillies and Greg Jolly, he was named the most valuable player of the 1974 Memorial Cup. He later had his number 14 retired, and in 2018, he and Guy Lafleur were chosen as honorary captains of the MasterCard 100th edition of the Memorial Cup event. His junior career was so impressive that he became the first player to sign with a professional hockey team before leaving major junior hockey. Dennis signed a 10-year, $1 million contract for the WHA's Cincinnati Stingers in 1973. He played the 73-74 season with the Pats and was loaned to the Phoenix Roadrunners for the 74-75 season because the Stingers did not yet have an arena in which to play. Dennis was the centerpiece of the Stingers franchise, notching 44 goals and 96 points in 1976-77 while earning a spot in the 1977 WHA All-Star Game. Three major shoulder injuries would curtail his career but did not diminish his legend. After playing in the 1979 AFCO Cup Finals with Wayne Gretzky and the Edmonton Oilers, Dennis had a brief NHL stint in Detroit before retiring in 1982. You'll enjoy Dennis's recollections of a colorful and unforgettable ride in a career that could have only happened in the 1970s. Now, let's talk classic hockey with Dennis Subchuk. We're back on the show and we're real excited to talk to one of the great junior hockey players of all times with the Regina Pats in the 1970s and an all-star in the World Hockey Association, a great player with the Phoenix Roadrunners, Cincinnati Stingers, and Edmonton Oilers. Number 14, Super Sabi himself, Dennis Subject. Dennis, thanks so much for being with us. No problem. It's nice to talk with you. Dennis, growing up in Lang, Saskatchewan, you're a little bit off the beaten path of the National Hockey League, but the Regina Pats at the time of your youth would have had legends like Bill Hickey and Red Berenson, Terry Harper, and Norm Bowden. Was that a team that you followed closely as a kid? It, it was the team. Uh, it was probably the team in Canada. It was the, it was the oldest team uh, put together, I think it was in 19, 
19 and uh, Pat, because they were on TV and sometimes they're, they're on the radio, we always heard about them. The names you just said that were Bill Hickey was a great friend of mine, uh, new Terry Harper, uh, Norm Bowden. I just spoke with him uh, not too long ago. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of history with it. And to, to have played on that team now, you know, it's funny when, when you're young, you just, you, it's kind of like a fishbowl. You're kind of caught in a swirl and you're just mm-hmm. trying to just make a team. But looking back, it, it was quite an honor to play for that team. Your brother, Gene, preceded you uh, on the Pats. And I was curious how they found out about his brother, Dennis, and how you ended up becoming uh, a member of the team. Well, it, it's, it's really odd how things happen. But in hockey, uh, uh, my brother had done very well with the Waving Red Wings, and they were with the uh, they were with the last year to play against for the Memorial Cup. They played against uh, Gilles, uh, I think it was uh, Perot and Martin and those guys uh, from the Montreal Canadian Juniors. So mm-hmm. the Regina the Regina Pats were moving back into the Western Hockey League, and so they uh, they got my brother to sign with them. And when they come over, this is the oddest story. When they come over to sign my brother. Uh, the general manager, Dell Wilson, and the coach, Bob Turner, both turned to me. And I was 16, kind of a happy-go-lucky kid. And they both they both asked if I played hockey. <laughs> and it, it's odd because in today's world, you know, you know a kid from about 10 years old or 12. And here we lived Lang, Saskatchewan, being a population of about 150 people. We were about 40 miles away from Regina. But, uh, you know, you still had to earn your stripes. And, uh, you know, you weren't just a, a flash in the pan and so um they were nice enough to ask me to training camp that year i think it was just to keep the family happy to say you know hey gino we'll we'll bring your brother along mm-hmm. too um i i didn't i didn't burn it up i was still owned actually by the estevan bruins who are moving that that next year they were moving to the new Westminster area in vancouver canada mm-hmm. and so after my brother played the one year uh, they ended up trading, I think it was five players for me from the Estevan Bruins. And uh, uh, it worked out well, as you, as you said. We were fortunate enough. I got to play with a lot of great hockey players in Regina, and uh, we won the national championship. So it was kind of ironic to be asking four years earlier if I played hockey and then to, to win it all and to be part of the team. Yeah, certainly before the days of uh, high-tech scouting. And, uh, you know, that is an amazing story how – just happenstance. I, so many times when I talk to players, uh, especially from that era, how sometimes just luck, circumstance, conversations, things yeah. you wouldn't even think of. I, talking to Phil Mir, and he uh, he was talking about one day he was taking the bus somewhere, and somebody came up next to him and said, hey, do you play hockey? And he said, we're looking for a goalie. And he, that's how his goaltending career started at the age of 12. So just yeah. one of those things. So as we talked about – in. in you had an amazing career uh, in Regina, and but of course you didn't do it alone. The team was 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 great. I was curious. I, I I'd curious about one of your teammates. You played all the way through. You won the Rookie of the Year, of course, in your first year. Um, but you're also joined by a a big left wing by the name of Clark Gillies, and <laughs> I was curious. Yeah. You know, he had a reputation. I talked to Jerry Rollins uh, uh, last year, talking a little bit about yeah. uh, the reputation that Clark uh, Gillies had, even at that time, which certainly carried over to the NHL. What do you remember about uh, Clark Gillies as a teammate? Oh, uh, he, he's a great guy. You know, the whole team. We really, the, our first year with Regina, we had eleven rookies. 
And, you know, where I, I don't even know where they, they probably didn't even pick us to even make the, not to make the playoffs or anything. Uh, but we ended up going to the sixth game of the final of the Western Hockey League that year. Uh, talk about funny stories, Clark. And there was another guy that was we played against, Clark and Bobby Bourne. They were minor league baseball players at that time. They oh, were right, playing, right. I believe, for the Mets. Yeah, they were in the A ball somewhere in uh, Virginia or out on New York or somewhere. And uh, I remember when they signed Clark, you know, he had to think about it because, you know, he, he's a big catcher and he had an unbelievable arm. And, uh, you know, baseball was huge and hockey, who knows? You know, you're just uh, right. you're just starting out. But uh, I was fortunate enough that uh, Clark, he come over and he played on my left side. Uh, uh, we kind of had a joking line. You know, you had the French connection, what we called ourselves the the, the Ukraine line. The, <laughs> there was Wanchuk was my right side, Sobchuk was center, and Gilchuk was the left side. So, <laughs> you know, it, it was it, we grew up together. And uh, riding the iron long the bus, you know, we the camaraderie. Uh, we just celebrated our 45th anniversary of winning it all. And uh, uh, we're fortunate enough that uh, almost all of them, one person has passed on, uh, Rick Urick. But uh, we got together and it was like we picked it up as if we saw each other 45 years ago. And we're still all the best of friends. And we stay in touch. Sometimes it passes by a few years. But uh, we, we try to always, you know, re- reunite uh the past, you know, we realized when you're young, you don't realize how important it was. I mean, you were striving to win the Memorial Cup, but uh, it had been 44 years prior to winning it, the Regina Pats. And here's this team with full of history, mm-hmm. and they had only won the Memorial Cup one time. And then we win it 44 years, and they have not won it since. And so now looking back, you realize how hard, you know, usually in junior hockey, you get three, maybe if you're lucky, four years to win this cup. So we were very fortunate. Uh, we had a great team. We had uh, that year, uh, uh, we had a great goaltender, Eddie Staniowski. Mm-hmm. I saw him last year. Greg Jolly, he's out in New York somewhere. Uh, he was the first round pick by Washington that way. Right. I believe uh, we only carried 19 players. And out of the 19 in the two, three years of their being drafted, I think all 18 of 19 got drafted. And the only guy that didn't was Mike Wanchuk, and he had mononucleosis that year. And uh, he was a small guy. And if you go back in history, the Philadelphia Flyers were kind of ruling the roost at that time. And big bullies, the Broadway bullies. And so they thought he might have been a little bit too small to play NHL. But uh, he could fire the puck and score goals. Yeah, and it's good to see uh, you know that you guys had a chance to get together. It's remarkable when you get together with people like that how little they've changed in, in some aspects. I mean, they're kind of the same, the same people they were back then. May look a little bit different, but uh, basically, essentially, yeah. people <laughs> say the same, and uh, that that's uh, that's very encouraging to hear. Was Gillies like? Uh, I did one more question about Clark. Was he the intimidating yeah. presence that he ended up being in the NHL? Obviously, he was a great player. He was a Hall of Famer. But uh, also, uh, not too many people really wanted to mess with him. I was curious if that was the case in junior. Yeah, he uh, he ruled the roost. The worst thing you could do for Clark was wake him up. Uh, he'd cruise up and down the wing and, you know... And then we, I had a good friend I grew up with was Tiger Williams. And Tiger seemed to sometimes spark Clark and wake him up. Tiger would want to fight him. And Clark, you'd <laughs> end up getting two, three goals. And, you know, it just, uh, he was such a, a big guy. I mean, uh, in, in our time, being 6'2 or 6'3 was huge. And if you were 200 plus pounds, 
in today's world, I look at these guys playing today, and they're they're monsters. Yes. You know that I don't know how you get around. They're gonna have to build new bigger rinks or play four against four or do something because yeah, uh, you're right. It's there's the the ice the ice is getting smaller and smaller. But with Clarky, he he was a true leader. He uh, funny funny guy. I mean, in the dressing room, he led on the ice and off the ice. He uh, a uh, great character, uh, a guy that uh, deserved. He, he worked hard, and uh, everything he got. Hall of Famer. Proud to say that I know Clark, and uh, you know he, he four-time Stanley Cup winner. You know, gosh, I mean, right. it just goes on and on. It just shows how really how tremendous he was. And if you ask Brian Trottier or any of the guys that played on the Islanders, uh, same thing. You know, he he just made he gave you a little bit more ice room when he was out there. That's right. Uh, a lot of players did their best to avoid getting him upset, and those <laughs> those who yeah. did get him upset ended up regretting it later. You yeah. head into head into your last junior season. You've got a very unique situation that had never happened before in hockey. Uh, going to the seventy three seventy four campaign, you had already been signed by the World Hockey Association's Cincinnati Stingers, and. Yeah. You played your last year of junior, uh, nonetheless, as the Stingers didn't didn't exist at that time, and you're still a year away from going to the WHA. So I'm curious about playing that last year. You end up going all the way. You have the great playoff. You win the Memorial Cup. We'll talk about that in a second. But what is it like stepping onto the rink against these teams? Is there any type of uh, jealousy, envy? Uh, you know, all of a sudden you're you're a highly paid pro playing playing junior hockey, uh, was there any type of backlash or or anything like that from opposing teams? Uh, I look at it now, and there was a pressure because now you, you had to perform every time. And and uh, I know I got I got benched quite a bit, too. Bob Turner would get mad at me, my coach, and, uh, you know, because he, he expectations were high. They uh, they wanted more out of me, and sometimes being a 19-year-old, you know, you, you have other things on your mind, too, than just playing hockey. And, right. uh, uh, at that time, because I had signed, and, and there was other it was distractions. You know, every time you went into a, a town to play, or they would even fly me into a you know, to Calgary to do a press conference. We were playing a game, and at that time there was Danny Gare and Rogers and different right. players that were going to be high draft choices. So we would talk about, you know, the NHL and because I was signed. So it, it, it was different. But, uh, you know, looking back, I, I always say, you know, I, I talked to um, – well, the funny part about it is, Mark, is that uh, when I did sign, then I couldn't – I had no league to play in. Uh, in history, uh, it's an amateur hockey league in Canada. And when I signed that pro contract, that made me a pro. Mm -hmm. So te technically, I couldn't play in the Canadian ho amateur hockey. And so then they had to change the rules and say, okay, <laughs> I didn't get paid. So that, that allowed me to still keep my uh, uh, my amateur status. And uh, it... it um, it was a long year. We we uh, we had a great team, as I said. We had 11 rookies that we went through three years of growing up. Uh, the first year we went right to the finals of the Western Hockey League, and the next year we got beat out four straight in the playoffs. So it was kind of a wake up call for us that we knew we had the talent, and uh, it was up to us to to make sure that it prevailed. And uh, there, there was a lot of ups and downs in that season, and uh, one of the ups was we, we went to Sweden and represented Canada in, it was I think it was the Mulhern or Ahern Cup, mm -hmm. 
And uh, here we were juniors playing against all the pros. But uh, it, it, it was great for me because I was playing against some of the greatest international hockey players. And so it, it kind of showed me that, you know, I had to step it up and, you know, not be that carefree. I had to, you know, work harder and, you know, keep my head up quite a bit more than what I did in junior. But uh, in an all in all, as you said, uh, the season, it worked out great. And uh, we did win it all. Yeah, and you ended up um, winning it all against uh, Quebec Remparts, as I recall. Um, and that was a loaded team with Real Cloutier, Jacques the Jetman, Loka, Guy Schwinard, uh, a team that yep. could really score. And uh, there is an, an anecdote that you had, uh, or somebody had had written about online, where uh, you guys were down, I believe, 5-1, I believe, in Game 2, and rallied back to win the game. I don't know if that my facts are correct, but uh, you had an opportunity as a young leader, 19-year-old, to kind of address your team in between periods or between the game and basically just, uh, you know, give your team a little uh, shot of confidence there. And you guys have been the prevailing. I think you had a hat trick in the game yourself. Uh, do you recall that game and your memories of playing a very good Quebec team in the, in the final? Oh, yeah. May 12, 1974 will always <laughs> be uh, a memory of the rest, rest of my life. Yeah, if it isn't the uh, reporters in Regina will always call me because since they haven't won it ever since, they you know they do that. But in your recollection is right, but just a different couple of games. Uh, growing up, and like you were saying, we were down five one. That was against the Swift Current Broncos. We we uh, we went against you know we were playing against them for our uh, division final or whatever, and we had the first two games at home. They beat us the first game in Regina. And in the second game, they had us down 5-1 after two periods, which di- it didn't look good. No. Uh, we ended we ended up, you know, with one period left, I think we scored six goals and beat them 7-5 and went on and swept that series. And then we went into Calgary and swept the series after. Now, that that might kind of showed that we had some character on the team because it, was, it wasn't just Dennis Sobchak. I mean, there was Clark Gillies and there was a Glenn Burden and the Rick Urich I'd mentioned and different guys pitched in. I mean, we had we had, we played with four lines. We had a rookie line that wow. got, I, I feel like they got too much time because they took away from me. <laughs> but, uh, but in the, you know, they, they were good guys and they scored. And so then when we finally got to the Memorial Cup, you're, you're right, we were down we were down three nothing the first five minutes of the uh, the final game, and uh, again didn't look good. But uh, you know we knew we had we had the talent. Eddie Eddie Staniowski, uh stopped everything from there on in. Uh, I was fortunate enough to get three goals. Uh, uh, a rookie got a goal. A Glenn Burry. I mean everybody was pitching in and everybody did their thing. And at the end uh, we were fortunate enough to I believe win seven four and. Uh, be the first winners in well now 89 years for the Regina Pats and we were actually the first team that as CHA merged the three leagues together mm-hmm. to play it for a Memorial Cup we were the first Western Hockey League to, to win to hoist the Memorial Cup so uh, uh, it was a pretty big honor and it, it's still I've got more if anything I've got more pictures of the Memorial Cup around my uh, <laughs> office than I do of my pro but uh, you know the camaraderie and uh, Hockey to me, I mean, I think back uh, those three years with Regina and then the pro and Cincinnati, gosh, I mean, uh, it, it pretty well paved the next, well, next 45 years of my life. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm right now living in Scottsdale, Arizona for the last 10 years. My first pro team uh, since Cincinnati, as you mentioned, didn't have a team yet. Mm-hmm. They loaned me out to Phoenix, and uh, um, I always said I was coming back. I'd never seen a 
place that was a hundred above. Uh, you know, <laughs> right. we, I, I recall, I recall 50 below and, uh, when, when it's 50 below zero in Regina, you can't do too much. Uh, but when it's a no. hundred above in Phoenix, uh, you got swimming pools and you got uh, evenings and everything else. So ho- I've got a lot to be thankful for hockey. Um, you know, my wife, 40 years coming up this year, uh, Cincinnati girl. So, I look back, uh, a lot of great memories through those years, Mark. Absolutely. You know, you mentioned um, coming over to Phoenix uh, in your first year. Again, you kind of you, you did a lot of unique things, not only with the, not only in junior, but you broke a lot of uh, previous precedents, probably three or four of them, one of which, as we mentioned, you played for the Phoenix Roadrunners uh, while you were waiting for the Stingers to uh, become an actual on-ice franchise in 75-76. So... Prior to going to Phoenix, a couple of things I wanted to talk to you about. First of all, the Washington Capitals yeah. who held that number one pick in 1974, drafted Greg Jolly. They also would have the number one pick yeah. in 75. Uh, I know they tried to perhaps convince you to break that contract with Cincinnati, assuming you'd be the number one pick in the NHL draft. Is is that accurate? Yeah, it was. It was funny. After we won the Memorial Cup, and I knew all the scouts. I mean, I had signed, and that was one of the first things we did was we announced that I signed a year previous, so nobody would, would you know, go draft me foolishly or think that maybe I wasn't. So, And the Stingers, I, I have to say, and, and the friendship continues, um, it, it, it's, they signed me three years prior to even playing for them. Right. And, and you really think about it, you know, I played junior, then I played the Phoenix, and then finally the third year they had a, they had a franchise. So it, it was, I look back now and everything was normal back in 74 <laughs> that, okay, this is, but now I think about it that here they sign a guy that they, they didn't really get until the third year. Right. So, uh, you know, the, they were a young, they were a young ownership. Uh, they're still good friends. They, this is the funny part is uh, the other day, well, it's been a few years now, Bob Castellini, who is owner of the Cincinnati Reds, I went and saw him and we're good friends. Uh, Bill DeWitt Jr., mm-hmm. St. Louis Cardinals. Right. You know, here, here I'm, they were 32 years old or 33 when they signed me. And I always remember that, I mean, we'd even go out for some beers sometimes when I wasn't, the team wasn't developed yet, you know, and they were promoting me in Cincinnati. And uh, it, it was, I look at we kind of grew up together, even though they're a little bit older. That it's, it's nice to say and nice to tell everybody that they're good friends of mine. And uh, you know, even when they traded me at, at one point, uh, they, they called me in and they told me the situation. And I, it, it's a business. Uh, hockey's hockey, and uh, you know, they had to do what they thought was right. And uh, you know, the friendship goes on. And uh, when I go back to Cincinnati, it still feels like home yet. So it's 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 great memories again. I tell you, absolutely. We have the. Easily the number one WHA site on Facebook and where WHA fans congregate. It's called WHA Hockey. And whenever, and I often do, as I said, a big fan of yours as, uh, to be sure. And I post something about Dennis Sobchak. We always get a great response from uh, around North America, around the world, but particularly from the fans in Cincinnati who uh, still have great memories of uh, number 14, Dennis Sobchak. But first, as you said, you're in Phoenix. But before you went to Phoenix, did you... I believe did you did you uh, go to camp with the, the seventy four Summit Series WHA team for the Soviet Series? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. That was a, you know, like I tell you, things happen so quick, you know. So so they invited me to for the summit, and uh, so I went to camp. Had a pretty good, had a real good camp actually, and uh, they uh, they asked that there was Pat Price, uh, Ron Chipperfield, and myself. And what we did was we trained with Team Canada 
But for exhibition games, they had an all-star team made in the juniors, the best of the juniors, to play exhibition games. And they played. we played about five, six games in Brandon, Saskatoon, different locations, I think in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. And we played against the juniors. Just, you know, they were pretty good players. We actually, when we played, we beat Team Canada one time, which didn't look very good. <laughs> but uh, uh, what, what, a, what an experience for me. I look back and right away, who am I sitting beside? Beside Gordy Howe, Bobby wow. Hull, Pat Stapleton, Frank. These guys, Frank Mahobleach, you know, I can go on and on. J.C. Trombley, they, they, I watch these guys on TV when I'm like 8, 10 years old. And it's like every Canadian boy or every anybody that puts on a pair of skates has a dream of playing pro hockey, but to be next to him is like, oh, God, what am I doing here? You know, <laughs> and as as the five years developed, we all, we, we become friends. One of my, I tell you, I have pictures, is me and Gordie Howe arguing with, uh, I think it's Wally Harris, yes, the referee, yes. and I, I see the picture, and I'm going, that's Gordie, and Gordie's in a maze, because I'm 20, and he's 40-some, he's Mr. Hockey, <laughs> and I can see Wally, I can see Harris looking at me, letting me talk and i'm going gosh i i over <laughs> over over seated uh with how but uh but what a what a great experience to play with them and against them and uh, uh they they did not pick me at the end and uh it was sad but i was just so tickled pink to just be part of that team and on the team picture matter of fact absolutely um, so you, you headed to Phoenix, and I, I was curious, Dennis, what that experience is like. The WHA, now, you've got another young, uh, I get a couple of other young players, one of whom's on loan as well, John Hughes. you got Cam Connor, um, and you got yeah. some some good veteran uh, old-school guys, Michelle Cormier's and Bob Barlow's, et cetera, Gary Kurt. Uh, so what's that experience like? You've gone now from juniors, you're now dealing with uh, professional hockey. The WHA is a rough-and-tumble league at that point because the whole Flyers influence had uh, had command and a lot of uh, yeah. lot of, lot of rough guys. Uh, what's that experience like for you in year one? Well, it was an eye opener. I'll tell you. <laughs> you know, like uh, uh, the Minnesota Fighting Saints. I mean, gosh. I mean, you 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 skated fast, so nobody would hit you. I mean, they they'd crush you. <laughs> You know, I mean, Slapshot, the movie Slapshot was a true story in the WHA. I mean, they would, they would go crazy, you know, and, uh, but I was very fortunate, you know, uh, uh, from a Gary Kurt and a Jack Norris being my two goaltenders, I mean, they they were down to earth guys. Goalies are a little bit funky guys, but these two guys were, you know, they were great guys. And then I got to play with a Jerry Odrowski and a Bobby Barlow and Howie Young. Howie Young. I had heard of Howie Young was on that team, and I had to look for him. I asked my brother. Like, my brother was also signed by Cincinnati, so he came to training camp. And I remember asking, I said, where is Howie on the bench? And he says, he's sitting beside you. The guy looked like he was he was 39 years old, and he looked like he was 24. Yeah, he was, he was and, incredible. I, you know, funny, I don't mean to interrupt, but I just it was talking, I was just talking to Larry Lund about <laughs> Howie Young, yeah. and I always say – People always have, when I talk to people, they always have a Gordie Howe story. And if they play with Howard Young, they probably have a Howard Young story. Um, you, you <laughs> I just, can't tell you on the radio. <laughs> uh, but nonetheless, he was a, a, an interesting character, to say the least, who had uh, one of those players who had uh, an amazing amount of talent. He had the Hollywood good looks. And uh, yep. his maybe off-ice discipline Blake. didn't match all that. but. Legs that wouldn't stop. I mean, the guy could fly. I mean, one game he played, him and Shaky Walton, you know, 
they 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 kind of had a thing going against each other, and they just flew back and and it was it was it was in it was exciting to sit on the bench and watch these guys. You know, they mm-hmm. both could motor and uh, yeah. So so I was fortunate enough to to play with the older guys, the younger guys. Husey and I become good friends because he had signed to Cincinnati, and uh, there's a few other guys that I'm probably missing the names right now, but. Uh, I was fortunate enough to play with. We were, I believe, they told us then. I don't know. You'd look this up in history, but the first expansion team to make playoffs. We right. had a coach that Sandy Hockel was a tough nut, and uh, he he played very defensively, and he, we really bought into a system. And you, you see that in today's hockey more and more is that when you buy into a system and you play it, just things come together, you know. And you you can see St. Louis, Boston, this last this last. NHL playoffs, unbelievable playoffs. Oh, yeah. That how they they believe in a system. They believe in a coach that that coaches it because you know he's honest that he did it. You know, and uh, we we're fortunate enough to play. Except that we played against the Nordiques the first the first round, right. and they were loaded with talent. But uh, you know, it was great. And then they even that year. The funny part was Robbie Fittori was cut by the Phoenix Roadrunners. He was sent down to the minors with yeah, my brother. You sent and, down to Tulsa. I was going to ask you just yeah. you, 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 uh, you sent down to Tulsa, and incredibly, when you look at it, so he joined you, joined you guys about twenty games in. I was going to ask you about the impact he had. I believe he yeah. was, had it was on a line with Johnny Gray and. Uh, Maybe yeah. Michelle Cormier on the left, as I recall. I'm not sure, but uh, actually Del Hall eventually. Uh, maybe, yeah. not, maybe that that yeah. year. But nonetheless, uh, talk a little bit about Robbie Fatork. Well, he he was he come back. He was sent down to Tulsa, and a fireball. But it just he was small, and sometimes management just see, oh gosh, we need a big guy to last the whole year. Well, I believe his wife was Wendy. She was having a baby. So he he come back to Phoenix. She was still here. And I can't remember who got injured, J.C. Mignot or whatever. Somebody got, got injured. So Fitzy was, was in Phoenix. So they suited him up that night instead of calling anybody else in. And I believe he got to go on assist or whatever. And, uh, hey, history was written from there on in. I think he won the scoring race. He was MVP. He was he just he never stopped. He never looked back. He got an opportunity, and he did the most with it. And uh, great leader, and another guy that uh, you know when you see a little guy like that just fly, it just makes makes the next line go harder, and the next line it just seems to perpetuate, and all of a sudden the wheel starts turning faster and faster. And uh, we we had a we had a good team. It's just that uh, there was a lot of other good teams that had a lot more talent. Uh, we were kind of based on kind of leftovers, you know, but right. uh, sometimes leftovers, uh, you know, there's a little bit of spunk left in them, some of them. So, but it was a great, it was, it was a great experience. And as I mentioned prior or earlier that, you know, I'd never played, been in Phoenix and uh, I always said I have to come back and uh, gosh, uh, I finally made it back. You know, you have family, you have life that takes you different directions. And after 35 years, I finally made it back to Phoenix and uh, loving every moment. That's uh, that's great. One more question I wanted to ask you about Phoenix was the fact, yeah. <laughs> kind of a silly question, but hey, it's the early okay. 70s, a little bit of you know fashion going on, uh, so oh, God. A, a few players wore headbands, and I looked through the Phoenix Roadrunners uh, uh, picture book from that year, early season pictures have you with a headband, which I believe you discarded at yeah. some point. Uh, talk, <laughs> talk, talk a little bit, a little bit about, uh, about your fashion choice there. I, I um, yes, yes, I did wear. <laughs> there were a lot of fashion things that you know I've been trying to hide or burn, 
in the last few years, but I do have that picture of one of them, and I show people, and they they can't believe my I didn't they can't they know I'm old now because I tell them I didn't wear a helmet for my first three four years in the WHA of all <laughs> leagues to not wear a helmet, you know. But you had to have you had to have the flowing hair, you know, and uh, that was part of all the things. It was crazy, but it was part of it. But uh, uh, I think I got speared probably two three times every game because I was a cocky rookie. You know, wearing a headband and that. So finally, I was smart enough to figure that, you know, maybe I don't need this headband. But uh, um, the Navajo tribe here in Phoenix, I I was kind of a tall, thin guy, high cheekbones. They kind of um, uh, accepted me as being one of theirs. And uh, Howie Young was part of uh, of a tribe, too. He kind of lived with some of them. And uh, Mm -hmm. uh, they they would make me beaded headbands. So I'm, I'm as, you know, an honor, I'd wear them for them, you know. But after a few, not broken ribs, but sore ribs and sore inners, <laughs> I, I, I finally got smart enough to, to take, take the headband off. And then it took me still another three, four years to, to put a helmet on. But, um, you know, sometimes you just grow up a little slower than others. Well, you're just a kid. And that you and that uh, those, yeah. the flowing locks end up uh, the next year, of course, in Cincinnati, where you're really um, the centerpiece of the uh, new hockey team there. It's an exciting time, really, in Cincinnati. Um, you know, a new arena, uh, a young team being formed there in year one. I was curious about the atmosphere, the fan support, and uh, how you felt uh, after starting your career in Cincinnati. I know I always looked at it from a distance. I I said this on the show before when I was talking with Blaine Stout. And when I was a kid, I lived in Massachusetts, but I got that. WLW Radio 700 Andy, Andy McWilliams signal all the way yeah. all the way up here in the Boston area. I used to always listen to the Stingers games. In fact, I have a bunch of them that I recorded as a kid. Um, <laughs> but I, it was an exciting time in, in, in Cincinnati. New team and uh, a very aggressive ownership. Talk a little bit about the, the, the early, uh, the first year as a Cincinnati Stinger. Well, we were, we were totally opposite to what Cincinnati was. We, I mean, Cincinnati had the Cincinnati Reds. I mean, you couldn't have a mustache or a beard. You had to have hair cut above your ears. And here we come in like, uh, oh, I don't know, uh, hair down, beards, everything. So we were we were totally exactly the opposite of Cincinnati. But but people just they, they just the younger people especially really loved us. And uh, the hard part was the first year was that you got to remember the Cincinnati Reds were the world champions two years in a row. Right. And sometimes we, if we got the front page, it had to be January the 15th or something Mm -hmm. because they'd win the world series in September, October. It would carry front page till Christmas time. Then we had, you know, then you had Kenny Anderson and the Bengals, you know, before that, that uh, with Paul Brown, they would get front page. So the Stingers, we, we tried hard to promote. And uh, we had a gentleman, uh, he's a good friend. I haven't talked to him for years, John Hewig. I felt sorry for him. Oh, yeah, him right, right, exactly. John, John was the promoter, and he, he did everything. Now, when you, you, I'm sure you remember WKRP. Mm-hmm, right. The, the, the show Lonnie Anderson and everything mm-hmm. else. Well, they, they WKRP out of Cincinnati. Well, he did some promotions that that <laughs> they were off the wall. I mean, they I mean, try to get people excited. You know, we had an exciting team. We uh, we only missed the playoffs the first year, and uh, we were very flamboyant. We were outgoing. We I'd always say we'd lose a game ten nine, 
but that would be better than winning one nothing because we were trying to promote hockey right. and by promoting nine nine goals or 19 goals or 15 people went it was exciting in cincinnati oh yeah uh you know defensive hockey was not my not my forte uh it, you know it was like get the puck in and let's go the ice was tilted the wrong way for me coming back <laughs> you know i lost too much too much energy was coming back but uh well, you and i tried you, to be a, yeah, a positive you weren't alone in that uh, that mindset, <laughs> yeah, to be sure. I but I, I always thought, hey, there was a goalie and two defensemen. Hey, if they were if they wanted to play defense and be a goalie. Hey, God bless them. <laughs> no, no, here they come, five on three. You know, but uh, no, it was uh, you know I tried to be a, a positive player, meaning you know positive minus. But right. uh, you know, so so Cincinnati was a hard market. But yet, you know, we averaged, I know we averaged probably 8 to 10, maybe. We had some sellouts. We had, uh, it was a great, brand new arena. It was exciting. We uh, put it on. It just, it just, it was just a hard market. Uh, uh, as I was saying, the Bengals, Kenny Anderson, I think, was the number one thrower. Uh, he was passer you know, for the Bengals. So they had been set in stone, you know, being a team in, you know, in Cincinnati. The Reds were everything. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't go into a store without a, uh, with a Red, with them not playing the ball game. Right. And that was my other good memories is I got to know the Pete Roses. I got to know, got to meet the Johnny Benches, uh, you know, the, the teams that, uh, that, that the players that played on the other teams. And gosh, it was, it was, uh, uh, it's not a big city, but it, it, it just had all this championship. It had a, a, a stigma going to it that, gosh, we had to win. And, you know, maybe that was why it just didn't succeed as well as it did. But, uh, it, it's every, every all the memories are only good memories out of Cincinnati. Yeah, and I'll tell you that the seventy six seventy seven season where uh, you score forty four goals, ninety six points, but the, the Rick Dudley, Blaine Stout, and uh, Richie Duke, Ron Plumb, it was uh, it was a great season. You make the all star uh, all star game. Um, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. That was the year probably that I remember most about the Cincinnati Singers and the the future certainly looked bright for the franchise because uh, you're winning, as you said, an exciting team playing for uh, Terry Slater. Uh, the league though is starting to get a little bit unstable and previously you've noted that yeah. you know maybe the uh, i don't want to say yeah just the lack of structure or discipline in wha compared to the nhl may not have been the best environment for a young player such as yourself um is that the case or could you elaborate on that oh without a doubt mark i always look back and i'm going gosh you know, I kind of got away with stuff because it was the WHA and, you know, they were trying hard just to succeed. So, that, you know, I look at the structure of a Montreal Canadiens and I knew the coaching and I knew that and I'm going, gosh, it's probably what I needed was more discipline. And what I got was less. And when you're 20, 21, 22, you, you sometimes will get sidetracked and, and not, uh, I joke nowadays, I say hockey got in my way sometimes, <laughs> you know, and I'm going, God, you know, that, that's a terrible thing to say because it got me everything. And then, you know, I was disc jockey one night or I was going out with, uh, you know, I remember uh, I went to a rock, sh a rock band uh, show or uh, uh, and it was Chicago, mm -hmm. the rock band Chicago. And the trainer calls me, say, hey, the, the these guys love hockey. So I end up down in the dressing room talking with them and we go out for a few cocktails and I'm going, gosh, you know, I, you know, what, what, a, what a time of my life. But I, I didn't probably wasn't disciplined enough. 
and it, it probably in my the long run of my career it probably hurt me but uh uh but memories boy oh boy you got a lot of memories i i gotta be careful when the other day i was telling stories and i i felt like gosh i gotta shut up i'm talking too much now there's too many of them but but it's great like i say i don't regret anything the only thing i regret not going to the nhl mark is now is their pension right so i'm 65 so uh you know the pension is about the only thing i'm going gosh i would you know it'd been nice to to be because wha really you know i can cash mine at the dairy queen right now so (laughs) you know that's yes it's not the greatest but but the memories outweigh and uh yeah, I hope the good Lord doesn't take my mind away because it's 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 a great great stories one after another and great camaraderie that will last forever. Absolutely. Now the uh, in that seventy six seventy seven season, uh, you're going along, and I remember listening in the wee hours of the morning as Gene Pekosh of the Indianapolis Racers scores uh, in uh, triple overtime to, to uh, defeat yeah. the Stingers. And it felt like you was coinciding with something you said before. It was coinciding with the opening of the red season. And I always felt that round, that, that, that simple round of playoffs, because everything was kind of precarious for a growing team, that round was was a real setback for the franchise, followed by the NHL not accepting the team in the offseason that year. But it kind of the, the downfall kind of started in that four-game sweep against the Racers, uh, who were you know playing a little bit over their heads, and, and they had come together under Jacques Demers at the time. Um, and that seemed to be a real setback for the franchise. Would you agree with that? Oh, without a doubt. Uh, you know, it's... I actually, Hughesy hit me during the war, uh, not warm up, but during our practice the day before, and I got a hip pointer. So I didn't really get to play too much that series, but I, I still remember the puck, just the memories. You know, they shot it in, Pika, and it hit where the Zamboni doors open. There was a little ledge, and um, I think it was Karan was our goalie or whoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember who. And the puck, he went to the other side, and the puck bounced back because it hit the lip at the Zamboni door. And uh, Gene shot it into the empty net it was one nothing then they beat us and what happened was then they turned around and in their knowledge of hockey they go and they decide that uh slater wouldn't be the coach and they hired jacques demirs now jacques is a good friend of mine and when he coached us but a very defensive coach oh yeah and when yeah when we when we had well you just talked about leduc uh dudley we're all 40s and 50 goal scorers they hired a defensive coach and if you look at the start of the next year, you know, and, and Jock was a great guy, great coach. He was very successful, but he had all this talent and he was teaching us how to play in our end. And we were all like, hey, we're, we were trying to sell this game. And it just all started to fall apart the next year. And it wasn't Jock's fault. No, it was it's just, just that, it's, you know, here. It's interesting yeah. you bring that up, Dennis. It's really interesting because I look back at it from a fan's standpoint and I'm glad you, you, you talked about this because the offseason that year, you had a, obviously had a great team the year before, a lot of talent, and you add to that team, you shore up the goaltending a little bit, you bring in Ernie Wakeley and Mike Liute, yeah. you add league MVP yeah. Robbie Fatorik, you add Pat Stapleton. Exactly. So yeah. now I'm saying to myself, 
boy, this is going to be this is going to be great. Uh, this is a NHL caliber team. Watch out! And as you said, the, the start of the season was an absolute disaster, um, and mm -hmm. the attendance reflected that. It was really depressing as a fan because I was so excited about that Stinger season. And uh, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but you're just talking about the the mismatch between Jacques Demers, good guy, obviously accomplished a lot as a coach, but in this situation, seemed to be a complete mismatch with that Stinger talent. Exactly, you know, and and like we talked about it later, and uh, you know, he just kind of he, he 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 was try he was trying so hard because that was his system, and we had to buy like I mentioned prior about buying into a system and playing it. Well, we never bought into it, and we were trying to be offensive, and we and he was trying to coach defensive, and and it just it just we we weren't dominating with what we had, you know, with all those forty goal scores and fifty, and like you said, to have a Mike Leute and stop in the pocket. And, uh, and Patty Stapleton, I mean, gosh, I mean, the guy, the, the, he just knew exactly how to get the puck out and do it and do the least with, uh, do the most with the least. He, right. You know, he was 30, you know, he, he was unbelievable to watch these guys. Uh, even, I think, uh, we even had John McKenzie play for us a little while. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I think, uh, I forget who folded which team. It might have been Minnesota when they folded. But, yeah. uh, you know, the, but it was, it was sad. And then, you know, down, then I actually got injured. And I was traded when I was injured because all of a sudden they had uh, they had a big I, the first game I missed they I think they call it the the Birmingham brawl or oh I was going to ask you all about the Thanksgiving Max yeah. massacre you missed yeah, that game Thanksgiving and I and I got injured the night before I broke a bone in my wrist and the team went on to Birmingham and and things just kind of fell apart they got beat up in Birmingham they didn't have very many tough guys and so then all of a sudden the the masterminds upstairs in hockey and I'm not talking about the ownership I'm talking about the people that make the decision decided that they had to start bringing in tough guys like I hate to even like you know Stewie's a great guy Stewie's yes. a great guy but they bought in up uh uh, oh, I just lost his name. He was suspended from the IHL. Oh, Willie, Willie uh, for life. Yeah. So they they started and they started bringing in every tough guy they could. Bruce Gregg, and, then Alf, they, and I was Alf injured. And... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And all of a sudden, then I got traded. You know, it was like that. They, you know, they uh, Butch Deadmarsh was one of the guys they they flipped for me. And so then they went from one extreme to the other extreme, and then history shows that it just lost all momentum and uh, it did. They, they eventually decided not to go. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a, I look back at the 77-78 season as a miserable one and the WHA, the league had gone, you know, with, with Birmingham, as you noted, the, the Stingers followed suit, bringing up four or five tough guys. And all of a sudden, the Dennis Sobchucks and, and Richie LaDukes and Blaine Stoutons are off uh, elsewhere. And it was, it was really a shame. You talked about injuries. You end up with the Edmonton Oilers course in 77-78. And you talked about how uh, it was a business decision on, on the Stingers' part. But I want to talk to you about something that's kind of like a mystery to me that, I, that I've heard about over the years. When you went to Edmonton, you end up getting what people described as one of the most severe shoulder injuries they've ever seen. I believe the trainer said. Um, do you, what are the circumstances that is that the case that happened while you were in Edmonton? Yeah, I, I played. It was my third game with him. I got a hat trick, I think, the first game. And I was flying after I come off the injury and I was going. We went into Houston and I got nailed against the boards, and it, it shattered my clavicle. And not knowing it, you know, I mean, they, they pieced it back together, and I ended up playing in the playoffs that year. But all of a sudden, 
there was, you know, the, the, the injury just kind of takes you down one step. Right. And, uh, the, the next, uh, next three years, I, I had three shoulder operations and they was Detroit. They finally decided because it was shattered so bad, they removed six or eight inches of my clavicle. Wow. And I always, remember, yeah, I know you can feel that you can feel it coming and then you can feel the edge. And I always remember asking the doctor, I said, oh, gosh, isn't that going to hurt if you hit somebody with your shoulder? He says, yeah. You know, and I'm going, oh God, <laughs> you know, right. and I, I look at the, I look at the demise of my career and I go, gosh, it just, it, 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 after three shoulder operations and trying to get back at it, it just, it, it just took the heart out of me. And I, I ended up going to uh, Switzerland for one year, big ice there, Mark, big <laughs> ice there. I ended up, you know, and then, then I played two years in Innsbruck, Austria, where it was the Olympic ice. So I, I kind of had it all together again. And, uh, and of all, I'm sorry I'm getting off track here, but of all things, uh, I come back from Austria. Who calls me but Jacques Demir? Right. He's coaching uh, he's coaching yeah. Fredericton. Yeah. Yeah. And and end up end up with the end up with the Nordiques before I'm done. But uh the 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 the, the, sp- the life of playing hockey and the, the desire and the wanting it ha- had started to dwindle. And I always I always said if I can get out healthy, which I thought I still was healthy. Uh, my knees were good. Everything was good that I could uh, time to probably leave, you know, and uh, get out of the game before, you know, you see a lot of guys trying to come back and bad knees and bad, you know, uh, it just wasn't worth it. But um, like I say, I got no bad memories. Just It's just, just a, a way of life in hockey. Right. I wanted to ask you about a couple of players that last year in Edmonton, the team goes to the finals and, and, and eventually loses to the Winnipeg Jets. And first of all, again, thank you for spending so much time with us here. We just have a couple more questions for you. Really appreciate it. I okay. um, uh, wanted to ask you about, uh, obviously, early in the season is a very, <laughs> a very famous picture of yourself and young Wayne Gretzky and <laughs> Eddie Walsh and Brett Callaghan with the birthday cake. Uh, but talk yeah. about when this this kid shows up from Indianapolis, Wayne Gretzky, what was your impression of him, and uh, what was it like uh, watching him as a, as a seventeen, eighteen year old kid? He, uh, I, my recall now, I always say, try to hit a feather in flight. Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. it's when a feather is just floating down, it, your fist will catch the feather, but at the point of your fist stop, and the feather just keeps going. <laughs> and and Gretz was Gretz was like that. He could go and he could go laterally, and the guy would be taking him out. And eventually, the guy had no more energy to take him out, and Gretz would keep going. And he, but he wouldn't lose speed. And he he had that uncanning of getting to the puck would follow him, and everybody always says that. But that's a good sign of a good hockey player is that you know he would he'd let go of the puck, but they would he'd get it back, and it was like a magnet, and. He, he wasn't the greatest hockey player at 17, 18, but he was good. And mm-hmm. at 18, and he, he just had that, there was something about him that you knew. And then, well, history, history says it all. I always, I, I, uh, I have one program. I, I, they don't remember Dennis Sobchuk too much around the world. So when they, I always will say, well, I played with Gretzky. And in December of 78 or 9, it was December, I was, in the scoring stats of the Edmonton Oilers, he had one point more than me. 
Well, <laughs> you don't put Dennis Sovchuk and Wayne Gretzky in the same sentence at the same time because how great he was, you know, like that. Mm-hmm. But I'll show people, I'll go, see, he only see? had one point more than me. That's <laughs> he right. He ended up with 10,000 more than me <laughs> at the end, but, uh, you know, that don't count. That picture is uh, worth a million words. You That's know, right. Like that. But he, he, uh, he, had, he had an unbelievable knack of, uh, of, of just handling the puck and and history tells tells the story now you can't you know you can't use enough words about him you know how how can a guy get 90 goals how can a guy get you know do this over year and year now now i he he did have a guy with him that you know that has passed on that that did give him a little bit more ice room dave Semenko. right but gretz didn't need it but it always is nice to have somebody out there in case there was one lunatic out there that would try to make a name for himself and maybe try to run Gretz, you know. Absolutely. And they they would have to go through Sammy before they they got to Gretz. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, when when you when you talk as you're just saying, uh, uh, I, I spoke of Gordy Howe, Bobby Hall, Team Canada, and then at the same breath in the same interview, I can talk of Wayne Gretzky. Right. And I'm going, wow, you know, I'm, uh, you know, that, it amazes me when I'm sitting there. I'm going, gosh, and everybody's looking. Well, how old are you? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, know right. you played with Gordy Howe, and then you played with Wayne Gretzky, and you know, like that. So, it, it's a huge honor for me to, to even be on the radio with you, Mark, because I love to tell the stories because it, it's part of the history of hockey. You know, of how the two leagues come together and how. These guys, Wayne Gretzky was actually a Indianapolis racer first, you know, Absolutely. all the WHA guys. So. That's right. So, yeah, Very, but he's, I mean, yeah. It was okay. a uh, unique time in hockey history. I wanted to ask you, uh, here in, in Massachusetts, I'm involved with the Boston Bruins alumni, and uh, you know, yeah. not in too distant, uh, not too long ago, we did a, um, we were involved in the Ace Bailey Foundation dinner. Uh, up yeah. here, and I was curious. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask you about a couple of guys who are no longer with us. The first being Ace Bailey. What are your recollections of of Ace? Oh, uh, Ace was hilarious. A- Ace, I'll tell you. Here's a good story. We, yeah, <laughs> I was playing for the state. This is unbelievable. And he was my roommate later in Edmonton a couple of times. But where we're talking, he was like, a, he was playing for the Washington Capitals, and the Stingers and the Capitals. We played an exhibition game. In, in Washington. It was the WHA, NHL. They were starting to try to play exhibition games back and forth at the prior season. And we were up 3-2, and they pulled their goalie. And I got the puck at center ice, and I took off for the empty net. And all of a sudden, this arm come out from the bench, and I did a 360 around. I just did a flip. He just come and <laughs> stuck his arm out. I never knew. I never knew for maybe seven years later. It was eight. <laughs> he called the empty net. He like that. So the only thing he could do from the bench was put his arm out, you know. And that's that's kind of character he was. He was he was a leader off the ice. But in those days in the WHA, we had we had an unbelievable amount of characters in Edmonton, you know. From like I'm saying, Gretz with the talent and everything else. But from a cowboy fled, a, a, Ham, a Hamilton, a, you know, a, a guys Ace Bailey. A, uh, Nielsen uh, from Rangers for mm-hmm. years, you know, and, and then he had Davey Dryden, you right. know, that he was quiet and big man, and but he, but you know, it was a it was unbelievable, a lot of talent, a lot of character. Steve, Car- Steve, Steve Carlson too. 
TV Carlson, yeah, I know. And, you know, it's funny how I tell people I played with slap shot guys. And I tell them the real story that it wasn't the Hanson brothers, it was really the Carlsons, but it was Hanson that took uh, Jack Carlson's place. And, right. you know, Paul Newman walked in the room one day when we were in Quebec. Uh, he was, I think him and Pockington, the owner of Edmonton, had race boats together or something like that, I think, mm-hmm. or, you know. And so he comes in the dressing room. So it, it's it was it was a funny time it was it was a great time in our lives it sure was interesting that's for sure and i wanted to ask you one more one more guy you mentioned him and i wanted to get your memories of a guy that i was always uh fascinated with a very colorful guy cowboy bill flett um what time what type of a guy was was uh was bill flett he he was a cowboy He, (laughs) he he truly was he didn't he wasn't a facade or anything he was from the Okotoks, I think he was from somewhere in Cal- south of Calgary. Uh, he traded horses. He um, he just was a cowboy all around. Uh, I can see when the Philadelphia Flyers won with all their characters, you know, and he mm-hmm. was a character, you know, part of it that it takes that that's when you look at a winning team and you look at, you know, not just the talent, but what what they have off the ice and in the dressing room. That's always a big thing. And and like we, we mentioned Clark Gillies, Clark Clarky got traded to Buffalo later and every team wants to have a player that won a Stanley Cup on it so that they can rub off that character of what it takes. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it made all and, and Cowboy was one of those guys that, you know, he, he played his game he always got his goals got his points you know um just he, he just was he was a good guy uh you know sometimes you wouldn't even know he was out on the ice and he might get a goal and two assists right you know he just he did the most he was that experienced and uh uh he's no longer with us and it's sad uh, i was also fortunate enough to another guy that was playing for us was bill goldsworthy oh right you exactly know, right was, yeah you know, Goldie was with us, and he was another character. And I look back, and I think that was—I think the WHA really should was a character league, not a hockey <laughs> league. Sometimes I right. think we—you know—there's th- one guy we I haven't said, and at the same time, I, I joke. I go, "Gosh, uh, if you read his book, he the, the reason he played the NHL was because he beat me up, Mark Messier." Right, right. Mark, Mark, Messier. Mark played. Mark played for the Stingers. Right. And, 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 and Mark and I, I played, we had a fight at the end and, uh, I got five for receiving and he got five <laughs> for giving, you know, and, and, was, and my wife, that's what my wife told me, you know, I thought, I thought I held my own, but if you read his book and Glenn Sather always said that when they went, they drafted Mark Messier, they, they drafted him because he beat the crap out of me so bad. And I'm going, well, there's, there's two ways of looking at that is that, you know, Am I am I a fighter that he beat up a good fighter, <laughs> or you know I don't know the other way, but uh, but anyways, Mess and I we took joke. Somebody just sent me a picture no more than a week ago, you know, saying, "Hey, do you want me to get Messi back?" They were playing golf. Oh. Him and <laughs> Mess were playing, and so 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 here I am talking to you, Mark, and I and at the same time, you know, Gordy's gone, but you know, to to say the names of of the first the two all time hockey in NHL, Wayne Gretzky and Mark Messier. And then to also say Bobby Hull, Gordy Howe, Frank, you know, to me, it's, it's, uh, uh, I'm in amazement that it's kind of like I look back and it's a third person 
that I, <laughs> I can tell the stories about him right. because it's me, but I can't believe it was me. So it is. And we know, yeah, speaking it, of that, too, you know, in 2016, I believe MasterCard honored the great junior players of all time. Were you uh, in, in junior teams? I believe you were honorary captain along with no less than Don Cherry and Guy Lafleur. So again, you you uh, are alongside some of the all-time most notable hockey players, to be sure. We, we did the it was it was the hundredth year last year uh, for the Memorial Cup, and so being in Regina, I, that's the only, I think that's the only reason they asked me because I was the last captain to, or the mm -hmm. last guy to raise it. But uh, Guy and I we played against each other, and we also played some uh, alumni games together. So we kind of knew each other. But I'm kind of standing beside the all-time, one of the all-time greatest hockey players. And we're just sitting there in the bar having a few drinks. And we come out of a stage, you know, in front of 30,000 people. The Eagles were playing that night at, in Regina. And we were at the football stadium. And I'm mm -hmm. going, gosh, you know, 30,000. Well, in Regina, they did know me because I'm a path. But right. if they watch TV, they're wondering, who's the guy on the left? You know, you know, there's Guy Lafleur, but who's this other guy? You know, and but that was pretty proud. It was like it was an honor. It was probably the biggest honor of my life. To, in a hundred years, they brought one guy back, of in can two guys back. Guy Lafleur, Cherry was there broadcasting that, but they brought Guy back from the east, and they brought me for the west. And I'm going, holy smokes! You know, so when I think of hockey, Mark, I. I, I, I can't say enough for it. And when you ask me, you never ask me enough questions because I'll probably have other stories I could have told you and I just <laughs> forgot because I got too many of them. You know? Oh, I know. That's uh, that's a good problem for me to have too. It's real quickly, when you end up <laughs> the, 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 your, your Flyers property, you end up with Detroit that first year. Now, a lot of ex-WHA players on that team, uh, Nedimansky, LeBratton, Barry Long, George yeah. Lyle. Um, uh, I, I was enthused about it for your sake because Bobby Crom was the coach, so he understood you and your style unfortunately as you as you noted uh you the, the shoulder injuries were only getting worse can you talk about just in general that first year in the nhl with the detroit red wings it, it was uh, i i joke now we were the dead wings you know when you when you look at mm -hmm. it because it was everybody was kind of past their time and it was sad because you know yeah we had earl thompson 50 goal score for Toronto Maple Leafs. We had Peter Mahovlich. Oh, God. Char character. He should have been in the WHA <laughs> right. because he, he had more character, you know, and I knew Longy and I knew, you know, there was the Swedes and the Brattons and uh, I even knew Dennis Plonich from Flynn Flon. He was there and, uh, you know, um, it's it just Greg Jolly had played with me in Regina and so it was great, but we, we just, I don't know why we just, you know, with all that talent, but I think it time had passed us by right and uh, it just you know they were trying and it, it and we hear the, i joke now and all the time is that well they're going to go with youth because we were all like 30 and they were going with age and they, we pretty well proved that you can't do it with age right. you know with all these young legs coming up but uh you know it, it was it was a great experience you know the only thing i can put my hat on in the nhl was that i scored the first Detroit Red Wing goal and Joe Lewis, but that's worth nothing now because oh. Joe Lewis is gone already. Right, I didn't, <laughs> you know, I didn't that's really telling you you're getting. <laughs> that's you know? true. Actually, but, I just uh, found played, on. Uh, yeah. I just found a. A clip of you scoring, and I think it was against Minnesota. Uh, I, I have a clip. I'll send it to you. Just it was a nice play, okay. uh, uh, beating defense, versus speed, breaking in and scoring. But nonetheless, um, so 
You uh, you go to Europe, you tear it up, big numbers, as you said. You you realize it was time for you to, to uh, retire. You had already met, of course, your your wife. I was curious, Dennis. Um, those first years out of hockey. Um, uh, I know you you knew it was time to retire for the reasons you've stated, uh, how, but hockey's been such a huge part of your life up until that point. What's the adjustment like? What did you do right away to get settled into a normal uh, working life? It, it was it was twofold easy for me. Number one was I had purchased a farm with my brother. My dad was a farmer, so that took my mind off of hockey for the summer months. You know, of, of being the farmer. Uh, number two is. When I left hockey, I, I, I left the game, but I missed the guys. The right. camaraderie in hockey is is you know you're on a you're on a bus, an airplane, you're doing you know you really become brothers and you know and you you live together and you know and you just you just have so many memories. So I missed that more than anything. The game itself, and with three injuries, I, I kind of knew that it was time. And I and I always kind of made a pact with myself that when when the time comes, I didn't want to be one of those old guys that were trying to come back and struggling and looking like a newborn giraffe out on the ice, <laughs> flipping, you know, that you just. You just, oh gosh, everybody say, oh, please quit, you know, like that. Right. And I thought it was good to leave. It was tough. It was always tough. I uh, I, I ended up, this, this is kind of odd, because I lived in a town of 150 people. My brother was now retired farming, and he was playing for a little town of 500. And they kept on coming and asked me, come on, play. And I go, no way, I, I'm mm-hmm. done, finished. So so then they, they asked if a coach. So I told that coach, so we ended up with six players one time. Some, you know, we had a snowstorm, so I had to put the equipment on, and we ended up playing, and I ended up, it was fun. We won the Saskatchewan, whatever division it was, and it was kind of fun because the game was fun again. It was it was still, and that and that's what I missed more was the, the that kid, it's a kid's game. Mm-hmm. And it, when it becomes a business, all of a sudden, gosh, it's tough when you treat it as a business because, and today, well, the dollars, and I won't say they paid me good, and I was always happy what they paid me. I was very, very lucky that what I got. But uh, it, it becomes a business really quick, and when expectations start, then all of a sudden it wasn't a, it wasn't a kid's game anymore, and he didn't have that kid's you know desire of just going out there and having fun and scoring goals. It was like, gosh, I didn't get a goal. Jeez, you know, <laughs> and the pressure starts adding on a little right. different. But uh, uh, it, I thought it was fairly easy. I I got the Bill Hickey was the owner of the Regina Pats when he asked me to be the assistant coach, and then he asked me to be I was head coach, and then mm-hmm. I stepped down and I become the general manager. And but again, I was in uh, I was in a game that. You know, I couldn't control the outcome. I was on the bench. Now, you, you kind of control it with your systems, but I was in tune to, hey, if we're down a goal, put me out there, and I'll try to get that goal for <laughs> right. you. When you're down a goal as a coach, you're, 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 and I, it, I didn't enjoy it as much as I really wanted to enjoy it. So I stepped down from them. They asked, and, you know, I've always, I still love hockey. Phoenix, living in Phoenix, it's sad, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not the number one thing here. They got the Diamondbacks baseball and they got the Cardinals and hockey takes kind of a third seat similar mm-hmm. to Cincinnati. Um, you know, the other day I just talked to Shane Doan. Uh, he right. was at a golf course and I, I work at a golf course and we, I used to hockey, as I said, after I quit coaching, I was the CCM rep for seven years. So oh, I wow. stayed in the game. Yeah, it was fun. And I did all the NHL West and I did the IHL. And so I got to, 
every GM and coach for the NHL were probably my left winger, my right winger, or was somebody <laughs> that played. It was true. L.A. Kings, I think, five years in a row. Fatoric was there. Brian Maxwell was there. Uh, you know, I, I can keep going on that I'd go into the dressing room and I'd forget about my job. I'd be sitting with the coaches and the general managers talking, <laughs> you know, and uh, and Gretz was there, too. So Yeah, Rick Dudley or uh, Tommy Webster, they had a lot of ex w- was there too. WHA guys came through yep. uh, L.A.'s coaching ranks. Um, yeah. Dennis, yeah. as you know, as we, we discussed, uh, I've been looking forward to talking to you, and it certainly was uh, – was was worth the time. I uh, enjoyed watching you play very very much, and I'm glad to see that you're doing so well now. Loved hearing the stories, and just wanted to thank you again for uh, for spending so much time with us on the show today. Well, I hope they were interesting, and uh, I do appreciate. I love talking about old times because it, it it's fond memories for me. So it's kind of like I don't have too many people to talk hockey about. So uh, I thank you too, Mark. I appreciate it. And good luck with the, the rest of them. Uh, they're all, the, most of the guys are similar. They, they got a million stories. You just got to track them down. Nothing like hockey players. I'm glad I tracked you down, Dennis, and we'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Anytime, Mark. Appreciate it. And you take care. You too. Sorry thank about you. the Bruins. <laughs> Thanks. See ya. You know, but you got to share the cup, Mark. You got to share the cup. I mean, oh, I know, St. Louis, did. fifty-two years. No, oh, I know. You know, honestly, God. you know, yeah. I, I just just prior to you, I edit uh, by by previous guest uh, for this weekend's show is Wayne Babbage of the Blues, a former St. Louis Blues. Yeah. So uh, obviously, he, he was playing for them. If any team was going to be the Bruins, the Blues were a great story. Fifty-two years and uh, without the cup, yeah. so it was good. And they honestly, they. They deserve that. They worked their rear ends off. And for the Bruins, I always remind people they won. They won 15 games in the postseason, and um, yeah. nothing, nothing to be uh, ashamed about. But it's good to see uh, the Blues really taking care of their alumni and uh, sharing in uh, the Stanley yeah. Cup with the former players. And it was a good situation all over. But I appreciate that. <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah. so and just knowing what, knowing knowing Barubi just on being a player and buying into the system and and what a story bottom place you know that it just it'll be a story that some movie you know movie uh oh you got the i'm trying to think about baldwin or who was the owner of hartford whaler yeah yeah howard baldwin in, uh, who coincidentally i just yeah, had Bald- yeah, howard. you just had lunch howard with on wednesday making a, oh, did it? he'll be making a movie about st louis in about 10 years he's into hollywood so absolutely you know i'm going to bring that idea up to him actually it is uh, it's like you said it's something that's not i don't think has ever happened uh, to go from dead last that far into the season to number one overall mm-hmm. is uh, incredible and uh, you know quite a story. So yeah. I'm glad I'm glad you're still watching it, but more importantly, glad you're having uh, a great time down here with your wife in Arizona. And uh, again, greatly appreciate the time today. Thanks, Mark. You Thanks, take Dennis. care. Take care. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to the Pro Hockey Alumni Podcast, the voice of hockey legends. Just a reminder to please consider giving the show a rating and or review on Apple Podcasts. The link is in the show notes. These ratings and reviews help us become a lot more visible and make the show more accessible to hockey fans everywhere. I personally read all the reviews and greatly appreciate them all. If you have thoughts or suggestions for the show, you can talk to, contact us through our website at prohockeyalumni.org or be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Pro Hockey Alumni. Thanks for listening.